0: Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, episode 535. This is the weekly podcast about slow flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal, and local supply of flowers and foliage. This show is brought to you by SlowFlowers.com, the free online directory to more than 880 florist shops, and studios who design with local, seasonal, and sustainable flowers, and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. And thank you to our lead sponsor for 2021, FarmGrow Flowers. FarmGrow Flowers delivers iconic burlap wrap bouquets and lush, abundant arrangements to customers across the U.S., supporting more than 20 U.S. flower farms by purchasing more than $9 million of U.S.-grown, fresh and seasonal flowers and foliage annually. Discover more at farmgrowflowers.com. And thanks to the Association of Specialty Cut Flower Growers, formed in 1988, ASCFG was created to educate, unite, and support commercial cut flower growers. Its mission is to help growers produce high quality floral material and to foster and promote the local availability of that product. Learn more at ascfg.org. Thanks so much for joining us today. It's so great. We're in the beginning of December and it's time to put away all our pumpkin and harvest decor, and think about the floral palette for our winter holidays. That said, I'm so happy to introduce you to Lori Poliski of Flory, a Slow Flowers member whose design studio is based in Woodinville, Washington, outside of Seattle. Lori is one of 37 creatives featured in my book, Where We Bloom, published by Bloom Imprint this past spring. In fact, her studio is the first to be featured in the opening pages of the book in a six-page story titled Modern Homestead, a horse barn converted with function and beauty in mind. Lori's narrative shares her path to flowers, including the story of forming her business in 2017, choosing the studio name Flori. From the Latin floris, which means flower and rhymes with her name. You'll want to check it out. And you can order Where We Bloom from our website at bloomimprint.com or at the mercantile at com. After the book's publication, the editors of Cottage Journal asked slowflowers to create a holiday decor-themed story featuring some of the creative spaces in the book. Lori transformed the exterior of her rustic horse barn with blue-gray shingles and a whimsical striped awning with holiday greenery, wintry props, and red accents. You can find the story called Seasonal Garden Settings in Cottage Journal's Christmas Cottage Issue on Newsstands Now. And I'll share a link to the PDF in today's show notes so you can download it and read it for free. Lori agreed to join me and not only share more about her floral enterprise today, but to teach us how she makes 100% compostable wreaths. A former teacher, she prepared for our conversation by listing all the specific conifer varieties and sources she planned to use. As one who nearly flunked out of winter plant ID class at the local community college, mostly due to my trouble learning about conifer identification... I'm super appreciative of Lori's handy list of ingredients that she shared with me. You can find that along with photos of Lori's finished wreaths in today's show notes for episode 535 at DeborahPrincing.com. Right now, let's jump right in and meet Lori Poliski. Hey, everybody. I'm so excited today to say hello to my friend Lori Poliski of Flori. Hi, Lori. Hi, Deborah. Thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. And thanks for uh, jumping on this split screen so we can see your studio and what you're doing. This is so fitting because this episode is launching on December 1st. We're all in the, like we've had the Thanksgiving hangover behind us and we're all in the mood for the holidays. Um, And you agreed to let us see your studio and do a little design work. So. Before we get started, I'd love to have you tell people a little bit about Flory, where you're located, and what, what are the facets of your business?
1: Uh, perfect. So Flory is a rustic um, studio florist located in Woodenville, Washington, which is about 30 minutes um, northeast of Seattle, and I am in a horse barn right now, but I have uh partially remodeled. My space is about 12 by 24. And I do um, weddings and events. I used to do workshops and I hope to do so again. And um, I, d- I did daily deliveries. I'm not doing that so much anymore. And then I have a couple subscriptions with realtors for a gift when someone buys a home. And I really want to go into eco-friendly uh, celebration of life because I think that's important that's one area of floristry that is heavily um uh not eco-friendly
0: yeah yeah let's talk about that before we wrap up uh because i do think that's sort of a new chapter that will really be important mm. for uh starting a dialogue um well you and i met i think when you joined slow flowers we have in the seattle market we've got lots of mutual friends in the our floral peeps um and i am so excited that you um agreed to be in our fabulous new book that came out earlier this year where we bloom so if anybody is uh curious how how to learn more about Lori, pick up this book you can Mm -hmm. order it from bloom imprint or the slow flowers uh mercantile at slowflowersociety.com and you are the first profile in the book and i know that wasn't your plan (laughs) (laughs) But Robin Avni, our art director, fell in love with this photo, um, Laurie, of you in the, you said you're in a horse barn. You're up in the loft there, right? Yes, oh my and gosh, I and actually,
1: I actually feed my horses twice a day, and I'm in the loft morning and night. and I have to climb a vertical ladder, so that's not just a pose picture. I, I climb up there every day.
0: <laughs> actually, you're reef. you're holding a wreath there too, yeah. so uh, that's fun. And then there's a, a the spread goes for four pages. This is some other of the inside. I called you modern homestead. I love that you use the term rustic. Here's some more interior photos and a really nice story about uh, Lori's business. Actually, you know, just just kind of um, we're in this era of people creating chapters two and reinventing themselves. And um, that's a lot about your story. So we'll hear about that in a moment. But one more thing, <laughs> and that is we uh, featured several of the designers from where we bloom in Christmas Cottage, which is a... A magazine you can find on the newsstand right now. It's part of the Cottage Journal series, and I just have to show everybody how Lori's barn looked when we photographed it. Our friend Missy Palakal photographed it. You decorated it so beautifully, and shall we tell people when this happened? <laughs> sure. That, that's the fun thing, right? It was uh, Christmas in
1: June. <laughs> So I actually had to remove all my summer pots and I had hanging baskets full of, you know, summer annuals and um, tuck those away and get out some birch. And actually everything in there came from my property, including the red roses. So I don't think I I didn't buy anything for that. Uh, Even repurposed my husband's old um, sled.
0: Yeah. And the (laughs) pony, the the pony is is not yours. It's the neighbor's, right? No, no. The pony is mine. His name is Danny Boy. Oh, that's right. He is in his 20s, and we got
1: him when my daughter was three, Claire, and she did show him for a little while, but then she um, has horse allergies.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He's a a really cute pony, and he's my model for Dahlia flower crowns and –
1: Garland.
0: And like garlands and all. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm so appreciative that you said yes, along with, um, Teresa Rao of Bell Patal and Sandy Feigl of Verbena Floral Seattle. So I, I will put a link to that, uh, article for people to see. Actually, I have the PDF so we can share it in our show notes next week. Um, it's, it was fun because the editor said, we'd like to highlight where we bloom but we need something for the holidays and that you guys all whipped whipped yourselves into action and decorated and yes it was june when, when missy took the photos
1: <laughs> and it was raining so it did give it a w- more wintry feel and I yes feel so you're strong. right for the opportunity, Deborah, and also to share the pages with, um, Teresa and Sandy. So,
0: oh yeah, it was great. And I just think, I think that you're, um, back to your idea of you didn't spend any money to decorate is it makes me want to say that you should call yourself a farmer florist because you do grow a lot of the elements you design with. You're not uh, a farm per se, but you're, you're, you're cutting a lot from your property. Right. Right. And I, I have a background. I mean, I grew up on a farm and we never bought a
1: Christmas tree in our lives. We had this um, acreage that we called the pines and we would just go up and cut a tree. So I kind of grew up like this wild child, uh, gardening and, um, I guess I'm recreating it as an adult.
0: <laughs> well, let's talk about your story, but I know you're going to design for us. So um, they say that talented women can walk and chew gum at the same time. Uh, are you comfortable talking and designing at the same time?
1: I used to be a teacher. So let's see if I have that skill. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Great. Well, um, so first of all, your space, you've decorated it a little bit. You said it's 20 by Twelve by twenty. Uh,
1: Twelve by twenty-four. Mm-hmm. Okay. Used to park a tractor, a tractor, a John Deere, and a Kubota in here. So
0: wow! Give us a little bit of a snapshot, if, and, and also the story is in the book. But you transformed a rustic space into something really warm and cozy and cottage-like.
1: Yes. Um, It was actually my friend Angie's idea because I was working out of my garage and I was looking for a space of where I could, you know, I have a little cottage that's kind of an office for me, but it's not big enough to do a wedding in, that's for sure. So, you know, I would get, as any florist who works out of a garage that has a family, you know, whenever I would do a wedding, I'd say, okay, no one's allowed in the garage you can 't get sports equipment if you need anything I'm going to get it because I didn 't want them to break any blooms. I have a an outdoor barn cat that would go in and out, so I really wanted a dedicated space that I could control what what happens in that yeah. space and that's yeah. the space so. Um, so no, and, b- no
0: bicycles, no ski equipment, no pet supplies. It's your space. It's my space. I
1: do have a little cat bowl down here because I do have my shop cat, Max, who is a large uh, outdoor cat that loves to come in the studio. So I still have a pet in here. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> How did you finish it? Is it um, horizontal uh, siding that you've it's, created? Um, on the yeah,
1: I'll just I'll pop this up. I have um, a cedar ceiling. And that I wanted for the fragrance, and then I have um, pine. Actually, it's ship shiplap. That's uh-huh. um, horizontal, and it does have the knotty pine. And one thing that was really important to me, and this goes uh, kind of back to the sustainability and eco-friendly platform, is, um, and I do this in my personal life as well. I don't. I used all no VOC paints. So the reason you see the knots in the wood is because I didn't want to. Use a really heavy-duty pigmented paint. Um, I wanted to keep it natural. I also sealed the floor with a oh, it's for a kennel actually, so it was good for pets, and it's a non-volatile organic compound uh, paint mm. um, mm-hmm. for the floor and the walls. And also in my cooler, I was very aware of, you know, I thought, what what if something off-gasses and kills my expensive flowers that I have purchased from the growers market? <laughs> Right. um, I really tried, and I have LED lighting. I don't love the the warmth. You know, I love incandescent for warmth. Mm -hmm. These Mm -hmm. are LEDs, but they're, um, I'd love to be like a LEED certified building, but I'm not. But I tried with lighting to do LEDs, and
0: um, let's see what else. Well, for task lighting, it's probably good. You're not, you know, you're not going for ambiance. You're trying to be productive in there.
1: Right. And I do have, um, I have electric heat and it's noisy. So I don't have it on right now, but honestly, florists work in the cold. I mean, when I'm working with evergreens, I don't want the heat blasting. Right. So, uh, right. Most people who come in here want to turn the heat on. And I'm like,
0: what? It's fine. <laughs> I, you've acclimated. <laughs> oh, and then I have,
1: um, I didn't feel like the expense was too great to put in plumbing for a bathroom, but for workshops, I really wanted to have a bathroom. So I have an incinerator toilet that is not a composting toilet, but an incinerator toilet. So incinerate, you can kind of take it from there. Okay. Um, but it, it, you know, it works fine. I've had some people say, you know, I'll wait till I go home. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I you- have a small bathroom and I have really beautiful wallpaper in there. I tried to make it pretty, even uh-huh. though it's kind of like glamping. Yeah. Am oh my I gosh.
0: <laughs> it's, it's so elegant. And that kind of fits your style. When you described a Flory as a rustic, uh flower studio, I thought, is it rustic? It's elegant and rustic. Maybe well, you have you know. a polish to what you do. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, and I wanted, um, I wanted everything pretty neutral. I have a, uh, let's see if I can show you the bean here. Um, whoops. Oh, I have baskets up there. Can you see that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, that big, that's actually a big support beam that was built, you know, when the barn was built 25 years ago. So it's not, it's not vintage, but it's definitely um, that's original. Yeah. yeah. It's original. I've always been, I always mean to go up and like kind of clean it up a little bit, but it, I like, cause I can hammer things into it and hang baskets and dried flowers. So um, what was I going to say? Yeah. That? Oh, um, I wanted everything neutral. So any of the art I have is pretty neutral. I have these kind of relief metal paintings. That us um, see if you can see that. That's mm-hmm. that's yeah. neutral gray. And then I have a white one over there between. So, and I can pop those on and off. They're lightweight. So if I want to, you know.
0: Um, hang hang something else hang or something whatever.
1: Else. I yeah. do have, when I did a styled shoot, I do have some photographs from the mm-hmm. styled shoot up. And those are those mixed tiles, so I can just pop them on and off as I want.
0: So, Lori, do uh, I know? You know, obviously, you mentioned not doing workshops because probably because of COVID and all. Mm-hmm. It pre-COVID, were you consulting with brides and yeah. and couples oh, I, in the space? Yeah, um, yeah wedding couples and uh, mother of the
1: brides. I would meet with them here, um, which is. It's interesting to have a working space and a meeting space, because you have to be kind of tidy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Um, so that's, that, that might be a challenge for me. I'm kind of a messy creative. You know, <laughs> but no, so I definitely would have, you know, wedding consultations. I've had wreath workshops here. I had a lot of, uh, you know, I've had floral workshops and one-on-ones. I actually have a one-on-one on Wednesday.
0: Oh, that's so, um, that's So I'm nice. still
1: doing it, but on a much smaller scale right now. Yeah. Hope... It's nice. I have a patio out of the French doors, and I have an awning. So in the spring and summer, I can have um, outdoor workshops. So that is something that I hope to do in the spring.
0: Good. So, yeah. yeah. I the, the striped awning is such a beautiful contrast to that beautiful blue-gray stain on the outside of the barn. So nice. uh, that's why... It, that's why the art directors love it for photography. <laughs> well, I, um, I, I pretend I'm in Paris sometimes,
1: you know. I, I, looked at, uh, I didn't do like a lot of inspo. I just thought, well, you know, I've, I've lived long enough that, you know, I kind of know what I like. And um, I just thought, well, I want a striped awning. <laughs> yeah,
0: I love it. That's so yeah, cool. Well, you've it. transformed the space. Now you're going to um, sh- do a little uh, holiday design for us, and I'm gonna turn on the other camera since you've got a, a demo camera set up. Yes. And Lori, you uh, have no shortage of conifers mm-hmm. to draw from, right? I mean, tell us a little bit about what you're, you're doing here.
1: Yes, I, um, I have lived on this property for 25 years, and we planted... Um, a lot of evergreens and I don't know if if anyone plants landscaping always in the northwest it will grow taller and whiter than what it says on the tag (laughs) (laughs) so outside of the studio I have a row maybe of 10 uh western red cedar and cedar is actually not in the cedrus family it is um it's called Thuja uh plicata sounds like chicken picata to me but um and it's uh so I have a lot of Western red cedar. I have it on the driveway, actually along our drive, uh, on our street, I planted a native garden. So I was really into, um, uh, red maple, vine maple and, uh, the Western red cedar. I did a dwarf variety and some huckleberry and ferns and things like that. Cause I, I think, well, if I give the deer and the wildlife a place to go, maybe they'll leave my roses alone.
0: (laughs) Right. Right. And that's maybe their, their natural foraging, uh, a diet anyway, or the native yeah. native plants in the Northwest.
1: So let me just show you. So I, I did just cut all of these yesterday, not realizing it wasn't going to rain today. So I was out in that lovely rain yesterday, but I don't mind it. That's one of the things I love about this job is I'm outside. I'm cutting any weather, snow. It's good for rain. your
0: skin. I always tell yeah. myself that at least.
1: <laughs> so this is um, you know, western western red cedar is pretty lacy.
0: Yeah, and on
1: one it's side of like fan. Green. Yeah, one side is bright green and then one side is darker. So I often will layer them like that just to give a di- little bit different uh, hue. And then I have a lot of, um, <clears throat> this is called a Leyland Cypress, and it's actually a natural hybrid that the parents are a Nootka Cypress and a Monterey Cypress that are both native to the United States, but... I think in the 1700s, somebody from Liverpool named C.J. Leyland went to Wales and planted them next to each other, and he got the Leyland cypress. And they are that. a fast-growing tree that people use as a hedge. But they will don't plant them where you want sun. You want they're
0: like one-soned. the bamboo of the conifer world, aren't they?
1: Yes, but I kind of
0: like them for the.
1: Um, you know, it looks like a, it's pretty flat, and it's a, It's more elongated than the cedar. Like, if
0: you put them side by side, you can mm. see.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The um, needles, The needle sprays yeah. are longer. and yeah. they,
1: um, they're kind of a, a, a blue-gray that I like. So I have a lot of that. And then Douglas fir. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, it can get really long and branchy, but I like the kind of tips where it has little cones and one side is a kind of a grayish green and then it's a darker green. So I often layer these for people that, you know, might see a traditional wreath, at um, a hardware store, or grocery store, they often use um, Noble or fir, and those are really dense and puffy. I don't have that. So I tend to cut more of the evergreens I have and I layer them. Um, this is something I bought from Tosh, Tosh's farm in Snohoma. She's a, uh, kind of a foliage farmer in the area and he has five acres and this is an Austrian pine and I just like the texture I just use this as an accent not for the base and then um, everybody knows these the arborvitae the or Pyramidalis, uh, emerald green but it's actually got a nice little short branch quality and it's puppy and so Very I textural put, yeah I put this on top so I'll show you how I kind of made a bundle oh and then um, I also bought this from Tosh. This is a um, incense cedar, and this is native to California and Oregon and down into Mexico. And I love it because it has little gold tips. So one of the sometimes I choose a palette for my wreaths for seasonal wreaths, and I've chosen um, magnolia. I'm going to use magnolia leaves. Oh, wonderful! So those, with this, the, yeah, because I kind of it, it's been so dark and dreary in november and <laughs> i just need i need golden light so i yes. decided to do warm rich tones instead of blues I love last it. year i did blue cypress and blue ice and a lot of blue tones but this year i'm feeling gold so i'm using uh, alaskan willow as well for some, uh, some branching oh, oh i and love then it one
0: more thing. yeah
1: um, this is a lemon cypress that I love just for the fragrance. And, and that's that my, gives you
0: the golden, a little bit more of a golden line yeah. contrast. So when you
1: see, yeah. I actually made a wreath. Um, if you look at my Instagram, I have a wreath that I made that shows all of these materials for my, I have a little library that my family made for me a couple of years ago. Cause I love flowers. I love books and I love horses. So I, I try to combine all those things in my life. <laughs> so. uh.
0: I just want to, when you say little library, are you talking about in your house or? No,
1: it's actually a, what's called the little free uh, public library. So there's a little free public library movement um, across the United States, maybe in Canada. And it's um, people will build a little, you know, little tiny library with a door. So it protects it from the elements and they stock it with books. So I'm kind yes. of, a, I'm the librarian on, in my neighborhood. So. <laughs> And you take a book and leave a book. You don't have to leave a book. You can take as many. I have little kids. It was wonderful during the height of the pandemic because um, I would have kids show up and say, "Why are you putting new books in?" (laughs)
0: Oh, I know. I I know. I thought that's what you were talking about because I saw that you posted a photo and I didn't know it was your library. Uh, But I love seeing them around neighborhoods, uh, kind of like on a mail mailbox post almost
1: yeah it's, a, it's almost like yeah it's a mailbox post and I love it because um, it kind of we just had we have new neighbors that are moving in and they have young children we have a lot of you know more mature people on our street and so um, I mature in age I should say Yes, um, and so I'm excited that there, there's like Kids. Little ones. Yeah. Uh, you do have to check the book stock, though, because some people put in books that maybe <laughs> <laughs> need to be edited or
0: censored. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not into censorship, but, you know. I, I, to, so. I love it. Right, well, so, so this is, what is the size of this wreath, base? This
1: is a, So I have a lot of wreath orders this week. Um, one client wants two large wreaths for her door, but then she wants four window wreaths. So this is probably uh, eight inches in diameter, and I have to make, I actually have to make six of these. Um, okay. Within a couple of days. All
0: right. Well, thanks for <laughs> indulging us. So hopefully, yeah. you can. This can be one of them that you can yeah. check off your to do. And if they're going in a window,
1: I like to uh, moss the back of it because you don't want to see. I use. Um, I try to use all natural materials. Mm-hmm. Um, I use grapevine wreaths, and sometimes I make them out of willow. I have a lot of um, red twig dogwood, so I'll try to make them with materials I have, and um, or I buy them. Um, yeah, but I so will. The- um, moss it on one side and then i'm using this wax temp twine that i really like you can also use you know the traditional method is to use paddle wire and the one tip i'll say to anyone watching is if you haven't made a wreath you don't want to cut the paddle wire and you don't want to cut your twine you want to keep it continuous because that's how you get the um taut, um sure so sure I don't want to be too pedantic, but I'll just show you. I have a whole bunch of um, bundles here that I've made, but I'll show you how I layer. So I might take, I might do a couple pieces of cedar and I might do one dark green side, one light green, and then um, let's see. Then I like to put the duck fir on top and I might do another little piece of uh, the Leyland Cypress. And then I like to flip the dug fir back and forth. And I'll do that little bit of pyramidalis.
0: And you get that dimension too. Uh yeah. And then the this is
1: Austrian pine. And then I have some cut twine here and I'll just tie it. I have to tell you, when I'm really pumping out wreaths last year, I made wreaths for the Ballard uh, Seattle Farmers Market. And I was I was I had a canopy set up outside because I have a wreath table too. And I I made so many wreaths last year, I don't even know.
0: And I would do it. You've got your method then.
1: Well, I mean, sometimes I'll do them. I'll make it with a wreath table with the prongs, but I generally like hand tied. Mm -hmm. In fact, let me show you this one. This was popular last year at the farmer's market. Oh beautiful. Oh it's kind of a half wreath. And I use this dusty blue silk
0: ribbon. And I just put a couple pine cones. So this is an easy wreath for people to make. And the base is just a a pre-made, just 100% natural grapevine wreath. Grapevine. mm -hmm. And then I
1: use this wax temp cord that I buy from New Age Floral. I love it because, you know, I can't control when somebody buys one of my wreaths what they're going to do with it. I try, if I have a wire frame and I have paddle wire, to cut it and recycle it or whatever. But most people don't do that. It just goes right in the garbage. So when I make garlands and wreaths, I'm trying to use this wax hemp because it's 100% compostable. Wow, I
0: love so, it.
1: So let me show you. So I started, you want to tie, secure it onto one side of your wreath here, whether you're using wire or, and you want to go in one direction and you want to alternate. You want to put one bundle on that's kind of straight on the frame, your wreath frame, mm-hmm. and then just wrap it around three times. Oh, beautiful. And then depending on, you. I have a pet peeve about wreaths. I like to see the center. I think for symmetry, it's, you can go kind of wild on the outside of the frame, but the inside, you always want to see that circle, in
0: my opinion. Yeah, because you want it to really read as a wreath rather than just a- A bundle. A globe of some sort, yeah. Right. So, this so what were you has... saying about how you have one spray that's in alignment, and what do you do with the other spray? More well, I'll show you, things? I'm gonna go, I'm gonna angle one outward.
1: Okay. Like this, so instead of putting it straight on, you can do that if you want it very symmetrical. But I like a little bit. That is
0: that's such a great tip. I've never done that, but it 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 gives you a fuller outer uh, um, measurement, but you still are getting that center negative space in the center. Right, and then this one I
1: might angle a little bit in, and you want to always cover your mechanics, cover your stem uh, binding point. So this one I might go a little bit inward. And you can always kind of fluff these, but when you tie it on, it's actually helpful to kind of position it where you want it.
0: And that twine, is it wax coated or is it? Yeah, it's coated in a botanical wax. So um, so it's got a bit of a grip to it.
1: Oh, it's super strong. I cannot break it. Wow, I great. love it. Um,
0: um, Lori, that is so interesting because you say it's a 12-inch base, but the final wreath is.
1: Oh, yeah, usually. Depending on your bundle size, if you make pre-bundles, pre, if you pre-bundle your greens, um, it usually adds eight to ten inches to your, you know, tip to tip. Yeah, I would say. So if you want to start out with a twenty-four, I mean, a fourteen-inch base, you're going to have a twenty-four-inch wreath, and a standard door size is, you know, anywhere from like twenty-four to twenty-six inches.
0: Well, I, I'm i heading up to Whidbey Island later this week for a workcation with a girlfriend who's got a rental house up there. Mm-hmm. And she's just emailed me and said, let's make some wreaths. So now Ooh. I'm going to try this method. I'm also going to bring a grapevine base because I know she only has metal base, bases. So I'm going to try to do the, what you're advising, like make it 100% compostable. Yeah, and you know, you and, can just use... Um,
1: you can just use twine. I have uh, just a roll of twine, but I find that sometimes this uh, just like sisal yeah. twine just can kind of snap sometimes when you don't want it. I also have this one in the can with a rapid clip so you can cut it easily. I've tried a couple different things, but I like this method. The other thing you can do with a grapevine base that I like is you can insert branches. So when you're finished with your bundles and you're say, Oh, You can edit with your fingers and say, that's too long. I'm going to snip that there. Got it. Yep. Um, Then you can take a branch and insert it into the um, structure of the wreath, which is why I like using a vine wreath. And I have one here. That's such a good point because
0: you can insert it and it'll pretty much stay there. Yeah. I love that.
1: And then this I made, I think, out of honeysuckle. And, you know, you can save these from year to year. This is Oh, my gosh. That's
0: beautiful. This is
1: three years old. I mean, wow. you know, I wouldn't like enter this in a wreath mechanic. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, it's fine. It's, but they actually are kind of pretty and decorative naked during this, this off yeah. season, right?
1: I mean, you saw in the, in the book where we bloom, I often will just hang a wreath on. I just like the look of it on a white wall. <laughs> yeah. I love it. <laughs> so, um, so I'm just going to keep going around and then I usually finish mine. I like just like one area that's accented. So I might just, have um this incense cedar here Mm -hmm. and here i might put this with some magnolia leaves this is for your accent yeah this magnolia leaf is too big for this um i have more in my cooler but i might put a pine cone and a um magnolia leaf i would do threes fives, same in all forestry but and then i might do my ribbon right near there and say call it a day, but that's how I kind of, that's how I do my wreaths. And I, I have, I can't take credit for this moss, mossing. This is a very British technique that I learned. I took a wreath online work, uh, wreath workshop with Philippa Craddock. Oh, right. And um, I think she makes gorgeous wreaths. Megan and
0: and Harry's florist.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Well, she makes, I love the, you know, she's the one that said you don't want to see, um a naked wreath on the back side so
0: that I wanted to ask you about that so when it's hanging in the window um it could it's on the outside of the house but well, it could
1: be on the outside of the house but you're going to see it from the inside so do you want to see the vine or do you want to see some green yeah detail? I mean it's a,
0: it's a beautiful finishing detail and I can see why yeah. it's you love that because you want it to be a whole piece.
1: Right. And then she actually will moss the whole thing around because she says it actually creates a better base for the stems and the greenery and keeps them uh if you missed it it holds in moisture so there's a couple benefits to the moss i mean this moss on the back side is really just decorative so yeah
0: very cool well as you're going and finishing up uh i want to i want to talk a little bit more about flory can you uh you keep going people can kind of get the gist of it now what you're doing and it'll be fun to see it finished um How old is Flory? When did you actually start the business? Um,
1: I started Flory in May of 2017. So in May of 2022, it'll be five years old, which is hard to believe. And it's, you know, during that time, we've had a pandemic and I've had a couple, I had a foot and shoulder surgery. So I I just keep, I guess I would say to anybody starting a small business, just keep, just keep plugging away one, one foot in front of the other. (laughs) Right. You got to roll with, um, Roll with whatever, you know, the environment throws at you. Because yeah,
0: I mean, we would never start anything if we wanted a per, you know, if we waited for the, uh, the crystal ball to tell us it was safe, right? right. And, uh, yeah. So you had obviously a um, prior uh, uh, emphasis in your life. I know you're a mom and you've, you've worked um, in the tech world. What, what triggered all this? What, what led well, you to, to make I, the
1: break? I think it was from when I was growing up on the farm, my mom grew a lot. We had a, we had, a well, I'm one of seven, so there were nine people to feed, and we had a, I think we had a half-acre garden, and she would plant companion flowers all around, like marigolds and zinnias, and then she loved peonies, so we had a, and I grew up on a really old farm in New Jersey, in South Jersey, and so we had, uh, you know, on this, I, I if I could, that place now it had you know like hundred year old rose climbing roses oh. and lilacs and I didn't appreciate it as a kid but now
0: you know, I think about that yellow climbing rose up the side of a barn and um, you're trying to kind of recreate that uh image that that yeah. gives you a sense of home and comfort
1: well and then the other thing is I started doing I was a worked as my odd jobs in college, I waitress, but I also worked for a florist in Delaware. And, and then I worked as a florist when I graduated from college and moved to the Bay Area. So I just was always drawn to it. And then I people would ask me to do their wedding flowers. So I did, you know, when I worked in tech, I did um, my friend Suki's wedding and then my friend Letitia's wedding and um you know they were definitely very uh 90s (laughs) for ours um and i did my brother's wedding i'm trying to think so i've always done people's weddings off and on and then i worked in tech and i I became a teacher i have a master's in ed and i worked with kids with autism and when i had my own family and they my kids were a little bit older they're teens now i thought well what do i want to do do I want to go back into teaching? Do I want to go into tech?
0: And I thought, you know, I really want to just work with flowers. <laughs> oh, I love it. So I love it that you you've kind of had it, flowers as a constant in your life, and instead of being like the side hustle, they it kind of became the main hustle. Well, um, yeah, and
1: I'm part time. I mean, I, I I dream about doing it uh, full time. You know, maybe full time retail, and but um, for now, I'm pretty satisfied with my part time gig, and um, it allows me to be creative and hopefully people like when I do their weddings and you know uh, their wreath I have I have wreath orders this week they like my wreath they keep ordering every year
0: (laughs) well and and you have um you have kind of experimented with every facet of floristry like you said the local deliveries the workshops the weddings um you know kind of All season. I know last year I was gifted a potted amaryllis uh, from Tammy that came from your studio. So um, your lifelong gardening skills are really uh, serve you well. And it's trying to sounds like you're trying to find the right balance for what fits your lifestyle and and well
1: i think that's what i like about being a florist is you can um you know you could focus on education you could focus on uh daily deliveries and a thriving kind of subscription business you could do it you could be an event florist um you can be a freelancer you know if you Mm -hmm. just want to be a freelancer you don't have to have a studio space um So for me, am I still, like that book, What Color is Your Parachute? Yes, yes. (laughs) Um,
0: What is your aptitude,
1: Lori? (laughs) Right. um, Maybe I'm still figuring that out. But, I mean, I think, you know, if you think about any life celebration in any culture, there are flowers involved. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people use them when, you know, somebody has a baby, you get married, um, somebody dies. Flowers are a part of that. so.
0: And I've observed just in watching your Instagram feed and seeing what you design, which you are pretty prolific. So if people want to know more about what materials, you know, what ingredients, what seasonality, uh, is influencing Lori, uh, you just go to Flory flowers, uh, at Flory flowers on Instagram, and you'll see some, you know, through the, through the 12 months of the year, something beautiful. Um, yeah, but I feel like you have a community, like you're, you're, relatively local in your em- your emphasis on the seattle area maybe even a little bit zo- zoom in a little bit more on the east side but it's a big city and there's a lot of population and i feel like you're get you get clients word of mouth and you know through relationships
1: right um yeah that, that's one thing i haven't really cracked as the other vendors for events and stuff but i, d- I haven't really pushed it either um you know, I could belong to the organize you know the guilds and Snohomish and things like that, but uh, you know, I'm also very busy. I have teenagers and ones going off to, you know applying for colleges and going to colleges, so I'm still mom,
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: And um this allows me to do all that. And so it'll be interesting to see what happens when my kids are in college in a
0: couple years. And what I do. Yeah. Are you uh wrapping up there? I don't want to distract you. <laughs> oh, I, I am kind of
1: finished with the so delightful. Pain. Oh my gosh. Um, and I you know, here's the thing. I might edit this a little bit. I usually hang it on my wall here. I don't know if you can see this. I'll hang it on my wall and say, Oh. Oh, and then a tip is to take a photo of it because that's when you see the asymmetry that you don't want or the symmetry that you don't want or do want. So,
0: Or like a little can, ne- little negative space that needs to be filled yeah, or whatever. Yeah, like
1: maybe I need to trim that center a little bit and I'll do that. And then the Did finishing you- thing is to add some accent, maybe a cone or a lotus pod, a couple cones, the magnolia leaves. And then I love ribbon. Like... I love beautiful ribbon. I don't know what it is. (laughs) Maybe that's why I'm a florist. I love ribbon so much. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It goes back to your striped awning.
1: (laughs) I just love beautiful ribbon.
0: Did you tie that off already?
1: Um, I kind of did. I'm going to tuck it here.
0: Oh, okay. So that your final um, bunch you added, and now you're kind of clipped the uh, twine, and now you're kind of. Yeah. um, And what uh, you want to do is
1: just feed it back through your base. Okay. I, mean, I didn't tell you.
0: Okay. But, you know, this might be seen in a window, so... Is, so is this considered one of your smaller ones that you're making for the client who wanted four? Yes. Okay, wow. <laughs> so, Laurie, yeah, this- inevitably people want to know, what do you charge for that?
1: Oh, um... Pfft. I have a hard time pricing because most of it is from my property, but right. you know. Um, but you're selling your design talent. I'm selling my design talent. So I'm charging for larger wreaths, anywhere from 75 to 100. And then my smaller ones, I would probably charge, um, well, depending on if I ha- if I have to purchase materials like the incense, cedar, and the magnolia, it might be 45 to 50 for the small okay. ones. So. Okay.
0: And then, of course, the ribbon. Plus tax. And, and the ribbon, yeah. So... What ribbon um, are you planning to put on that?
1: This one, I have these gold ribbons back here. I'm actually going to give people a choice. I, I like to do custom work. I think that's what I like about floristry. So I have a, a double-faced satin. I have a mesh. It depends on if it's going to be undercover.
0: Sure. Um,
1: this is a woven one. I love silk ribbon, but that's not going to hold up outside. So like in my, um, my little wreaths on my French doors, I have a cotton red and white striped ribbon. So oh. cotton holds up polyester, um, if I could have all silk and velvet, I would, but yeah, if, if you have a wreath outside and you don't have, um, a porch or a cover, you can't do that. So. Yeah. You, you kiss it. Goodbye. So this one, um, for these, what I, I showed it with this ribbon, um, on the in on our our library. The, yeah. And she liked this. It's a kind of a muted soft gold. Yeah. It's beautiful. So it, pick- it actually matches the, the little, um, Tips of the incense cedar. Perfectly. That's wonderful. That's wonderful.
0: So, I love it. Well, we'll um, we're gonna uh, maybe get a few photos of this once it's hanging too, and I'll I'll put them in the show notes uh, when we run. I'll just the, yeah, <laughs> when we run the audio of this. Before we wrap up, though, I do want to hear about your ideas for um, sustainability in the. Um, you called it celebrations of life. So basically a funeral alternative, right?
1: Right. And the reason that came up is I had a, um, my dad's first cousin died and I called the florist that we had used for our rehearsal dinner back East. And I said, I don't want foam, whatever you do, do not put it in Oasis foam. And this is not to bash florists who use foam. My whole thing, because I think I come from it as an educator is to tell people here's not what you should do, but here's here's the possibility of what you can do. Uh And there's a really great product called um, AgriWool that was developed in the Netherlands. And I buy that from New Age Floral as well. And it's made uh, from basalt rock and it's 100% compostable. You do have to soak it longer than traditional foam. And some really fragile stems might not pierce it. So I pre-drill it or poke it with a
0: skewer if I have something, something more fun. I have
1: somebody that's picking up an arrangement on Friday and she's actually flying to Hawaii with it. She wants a holiday centerpiece. So I'm using agar wool so that it doesn't slosh all over when she's traveling with it, because that's, you know, the best thing in my opinion for flowers is just to have water to uptake. But um, for the celebrations of life, um, I love what they do in England. They do just like a large sheaf. Maybe it's like two feet long, the flat one-sided bouquet, and they just tie it off a beautiful ribbon. You use flowers that you would use for an event because they're usually just a couple hours long. I did one for a fellow farmer florist when her grandmother died, and she loved it and her family loved it. And then the nice thing is you can take those out when you're burying someone and you can toss it into the grave or whatever. But I think, this is just my personal... Um, opinion because I'm a florist, but I just kind of feel like the funeral options and celebrational life options are very dated and tired. And you've lived this whole life, and all of a sudden, you're just gonna you, maybe you've sent your family member that you love beautiful flowers all their lives or whatever for birthdays, and then at their celebrational life, kind of the last time you're ever gonna do flowers you're they're using something that's
0: that's toxic yeah
1: well they're not beautiful and they're not um uh eco-friendly and mm-hmm. um and they're not custom so mm-hmm. i my cousin had a good friend die on the east coast um and she was a avid horsewoman and i made a out of chicken wire and moss uh a horseshoe and her favorite flower were yellow roses. And I shipped that to great, her expense and uh, <laughs> to the East coast and the funeral home didn't want to put it up because it didn't have Oasis. Wow. Um, so, um, you know, that's,
0: I think we need to educate. Um, the that's an- <clears throat> right. Because the industry doesn't um, understand this. It's just like a package they sell to families Yes. And, and that happened when my father died and I was too bereft to, to deal with it. Yeah. Um, you know, and so I just went along with it and I've, I have regrets about that.
1: Well, no one's going to fall to, I mean, I just, yeah. uh, you know, I have, um, another, my dad's first cousin, Dan O'Brien, uh, they had his funeral today in Pennsylvania, Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And, um, I sent flowers, but I made sure they were in a vase. Um, but they yeah. weren't, you know, anyway, so I don't That's want to say that, um, you know, I just feel like there's a better way to do it.
0: Right. And I, I, we should stay in touch on this and maybe turn it into an article just to show people the many options, um, that, uh, yeah, the many options that are, are more eco-friendly and as you said, are customized and, and, uh, unique to that individual and that family. So,
1: right. And that's something, you know, I, I, um, sold, uh, daily deliveries uh, kind of arrangements on Laura Bloom, which is a platform for um, local and sustainable flowers. And Tammy of Laura Bloom and I have talked about partnering for um, celebration of life because, you know, there's a need every day and I don't know that we could all keep up individually so we right. have like a network maybe through Laura Bloom to do that right so right it's but something I think I care about because I, I think it flowers from kind of the whole life cycle you know and you know celebrations like you know you could use this as an advent wreath or um, uh, I don't know that's the one other thing I wanted to say is that I have a good friend, Puja, and she often hires me to do her Diwali flowers. I've made, um, you know, I'm not uh, East Indian, of course, but I love learning about different cultures and floral traditions. And so I've made some garlands, and she had an anniversary celebration, and she, I, I made the garlands. And it was hard for me. I had to measure and string. And, you know. Right. So I think I love learning about uh, different cultures through flowers too. So I feel like flowers can encompass, you know, the whole um, life cycle from birth to marriage to death. And they could be eco-friendly and pretty and custom. I love it. it. That's what I care about.
0: (laughs) I love it. Lori, thank you so much for sharing your talents with us. A little peek inside your studio and getting us ready for the holiday season. I'm just wow, I just love kicking off December like this. So, um, so we'll share all these uh, links for people to find Lori and follow her. And um, maybe, as I said, get some photos that you'll, you'll edit for me to share in our show notes uh, next week when this runs on the podcast. um, And you can find that, for uh for this interview at deborah com, but this is going to air on uh youtube and facebook live this week so Lori, thank you so much and have a great holiday season thanks i look forward to seeing you in the new year if thank not you sooner. so much <laughs> and happy holidays to you thanks
1: so much all right bye-bye
0: That was so informative and inspiring. I used all of Lori's wreath-making tips and methods this past weekend, starting with some repurposed grapevine wreath bases and hemp twine. The base greenery was formed by Douglas fir branches down from a recent storm. And since I spent several days on a Whidbey Island workcation last week, I'm so fortunate to arrange to purchase some beautiful novelty greens and broadleaf evergreen branches from Pam Ulig of Sunshine Farm. It was a great way to kick off our holiday season. Last week, I told you that we had opened ticket sales to the 2022 Slow Flowers Summit. And the early response has been fantastic. The fifth Slow Flower Summit takes place in lower Hudson Valley, located just 45 minutes outside of Manhattan. I'm so excited to welcome you to three days of amazing programming, June 26th through 28th, 2022. You can find all the details at slowflowersummit.com. And you'll be hearing a lot from me in the coming months as we highlight our speakers, the immersive floral program, and two iconic agricultural venues. Stone Barn Center for Food and Agriculture and the Red Barn at Maple Grove Farm. If you act now and register before the end of December, you'll receive our lowest price ever, $749. Registration to the three-day event includes breakfasts, lunches, and refreshments each day and an opening day welcome cocktail party reception. And if you bundle your summit registration with our very special farm-to-table dinner at famed Blue Hill Restaurant, which takes place Monday, June 27th, We have an additional savings for you. You can find all the details at slowflowersummit.com and I'll share those links in today's show notes. Our next sponsor thank you goes to Red Twig Farms. Based in Johnstown, Ohio, Red Twig Farms is a family-owned farm specializing in peonies, daffodils, tulips, and branches a popular peony bouquet by mail program and their spread the hope campaign where customers purchase 10 tulip stems for essential workers and others in their community. Learn more at redtwigfarms.com. This week on Friday, December 10th at 9am Pacific noon Eastern, you're invited to join me for our very special December Slow Flowers meetup with Holly Chapel. Holly will be talking about her new book, A Life in Flowers. An acclaimed floral designer and influencer, Holly shares inspiration from her Holly Chapel Flower Studio in Virginia, and it is housed at Hope Flower Farm. And we'll hear all about that. Join us to learn Holly's flower filled story. As both a designer and educator, and her guiding philosophy, the answer is always in the garden. Holly will share a preview from the book and answer your questions. And P.S., will draw names from among the attendees for a few fun giveaways just in time for the holidays. Check out the link to pre-register for the December meetup this Friday. You can find it in the show notes for today's episode 535 at deborahprinzing.com. Looking forward to a festive an inspiring holiday gathering, and I hope you join us. Our final thanks goes to the Seattle Wholesale Growers' Market, a farmer-owned cooperative committed to providing the very best the Pacific Northwest has to offer in cut flowers, foliages, and plants. The Growers' Market's mission is to foster a vibrant marketplace that sustains local flower farms and provides top-quality products and services to the local floral industry. Visit them at seattlewholesalegrowersmarket.com. Thanks so much for joining us today. The Slow Flowers Podcast is a member-supported endeavor, downloaded more than 793,000 times by listeners like you. Thank you for listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. As our movement gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of our domestic cut flower industry, the momentum is contagious. I know you feel it too. If you're new to our weekly show and our long-running podcast, check out all of our resources, at slowflowerssociety.com and consider making a donation to sustain Slowflowers' ongoing advocacy, education, and outreach activities. You can find the donate button in the column to the right at deboraprinzing.com. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of The Slowflowers Show and the Slowflowers Podcast. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more Slowflowers on the table, one stem, one vase at a time. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or person, company, or organization. The Slow Flowers Podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenland. You can learn more about Andrew's work at soundbodymovement.com.